The first reading and also the gospel, which we heard moments ago, they offer an admonition to us and a warning about speaking and how speaking reveals the thoughts, the intentions, the desires of the heart. Both the first reading and the gospel tell us very clearly, very plainly, that a person's intentions, a person's feelings, a person's desires are made manifest through speaking. And we see this even today in our secular world when somebody is uh, in court, accused of a crime, the judge and or the jury will listen to what that accused person says in order to determine what is in his or her mind or heart. So words, when we speak words, it manifests what our heart is thinking and feeling. And I think it's very important for us to remember that and to think about every once in a while, how do the words which I'm speaking, how do they reflect what's in my heart? And also, how does that make me appear not only before God, but before also my brother and sister? Because words are very important. And we start at the very beginning to remember that. In the first couple chapters of Genesis in the creation accounts, how does the world, how does the universe come into existence? It's through God speaking the word. So God speaks the word and the universe is created through a word. It's powerful. And not only does God create through speaking the word, but he also recreates through speaking the word. The word of God, the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, our redeemer, our savior, recreates us, redeems us. He is the word of God. And so we're created in the image and likeness of God and we're also redeemed in the image and likeness of God, which is the word of God. So the word of God is something very powerful indeed. Now, our words are not as powerful as God's words. If they were, there's a lot of things that I would speak into existence almost immediately. So God is very wise in not giving me that gift. However, our words are still very powerful. They have the power to create in many ways, and they have the power to destroy in many ways. St. James warns us also in his, his epistle of just uh, how dangerous the tongue can be. So it's important for us to think about this gift of speech which God has given to us. It's a very important gift, and it's a gift which we should take very seriously, and we should not waste on frivolous pursuits. But use our words very carefully so that they always bring glory and honor to God's kingdom and dignity to the human race. One of the things which I will miss least about the army is uh, the vocabulary of some of the soldiers, especially in a deployed environment, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's, it was fascinating to me how somebody can use this, a cuss word as a noun, a verb, an adjective, and an adverb all in the same sentence. 
but it's possible, the same word. And I would often tell people, I say, your, your words don't offend me, but they offend your human dignity. Because think of what's coming out of your mouth. And if you're not going to say this in front of your mother or in front of your bride or in front of your children or in front of somebody you think is very important, but you're, but you're saying it in front of other people, what's that saying about what's in your heart? As the scriptures tell us, our words reveal what's in our heart. So if there's profanity, if there's vulgarity, if there's just disgusting content coming from my mouth, What's that saying to me, and what's that saying to God, and what's that saying to other people about my heart? I think it's something to think about. Once again, the, the words, unless it's the taking the name of the Lord in vain, then that, that offends me greatly. But the other swear words, it's, it's causing that person greater harm than it's causing to me. It's, it's causing harm to the dignity, the respect, the value, the worth which God created them to have. So I think it's important for us to remember if we do have a habit at all of using uh, words which many people would consider profane or vulgar, we should really think about why we use those words and what it's doing to my heart and what that's revealing about my heart. Earlier this week, I was thinking of a couple of examples, a couple of important things I wanted to talk about in this homily. And so I went straight to the catechism. If you've been here for four or five months, you know I have very little creative intellect. I, I often have to plagiarize. I plagiarize the, the teachings of the church often. I, I'm tonight or this afternoon, this morning, I'm going to plagiarize the catechism. Okay? I'm taking it straight out of the catechism. So what you're going to hear in the next few moments, it's not my opinion. It's not a sound by a 15-second sound clip from the bishop or from the pope. This is actually magisterial teaching. This is actual teaching of the church. It's not my opinion. Not my opinion. If uh, you doubt me, just uh, look at paragraphs uh, beginning... 2,475 in the Catechism of the Church. This is in section three, which is the moral life of the Catechism. And it uses, I think it's brilliant. John Paul used the, the Ten Commandments to, to establish the framework, <clears throat> excuse me, for the moral teaching in the Catechism. And so I went to the Eighth Commandment, which is bearing false witness, right? commandment of God which prohibits us from, or tells us not to, bear false witness or tell a lie. So a lot of people when they use the examination of conscience, when they get to the eighth commandment they say, oh, I haven't lied, next commandment. Well, not so fast. <clears throat> not so fast. Because there's more to the eighth commandment than just lying. Now lying is, it's uh, the primary um, topic of the Eighth Commandment, but there's many things which fall under it. And uh, this is what the Catechism says about lying. This is beginning with paragraph 2483. Lying is the most direct offense against truth. It's a direct offense against truth. We have to be very careful if, if we 
if we're doing something which is offending truth, because remember who said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. So we're offending, if we are offending truth, we are offending the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself. And one of the titles given to our Lord in theology is he's the truth of God. So lying offends that, that truth. The Catechism also talks about uh, the gravity of a lie and how some lies are uh, worse than others. And this is an example which I've used in the past and I've, this part I have made up completely. This, this example I've made up completely. So like somebody comes to me and says, Father, I, I sinned, I told a lie. I said, I'll say, okay, who, who did you tell a lie to? I lied to my wife. Okay? How did you lie to your wife? She asked me if the dress looks nice on her. <laughs> and I said, yes. I lied to my wife. That's different than if somebody says, Father, I, I told a lie. Who did you lie to? I lied to my wife. What did you tell her? I told her that I was at work last night working on a report from my boss. When in reality, I was at the bar with my mistress. You see the difference? See the difference? One is venial and one is mortal. So the catechism talks about the gravity of lying. Catechism goes on to say this. Lying is to be condemned. It is a profanation, profanation of speech, whereas the purpose of speech is to communicate known truth to others. If you watch the news, you wouldn't think that. But it is. The purpose of speech is to communicate known truth to others. And so lying is a failure in justice and charity. So when we hear this, this, this should make our master caution light go on in our mind like uh oh I've justice and charity if you think about the two primary components of God the two primary characteristics of God are justice and mercy justice and charity so if we're committing a sin which is offending both of the primary aspects of God we should really think about what we're saying or doing so lying offends both justice and charity. Catechism goes on to say, paragraph 2486, lying is destructive of society, it undermines trust among men, and tears apart the fabric of social relationships. Once again, if, if you're plugged into the mainstream media, this is what you're seeing. The fabric of society being ripped apart through untruths and half-truths. And the Catechism goes on, actually I'm backing up just a little bit, talking about specific types of lying. Uh, false witness, this is making a public statement that we know is a lie. So it's not just telling one person, but we're, we're out there in public, we're writing a letter to the editor, we're putting something on Facebook, or sending something on email to multiple people, something which is a lie. That's, that's making a false statement. And if we do that in court, that is perjury. And the Catechism says that these are very bad because they contribute to the condemnation of the innocent, exoneration of the guilty, or increased punishment of the accused. And the Catechism goes on to say how this destroys judicial decisions. The Catechism then goes on, once again, this is, 
This is magisterial teaching here, okay? This is not my opinion. This is magisterial teaching from the Catechism promulgated by John Paul II. Paragraph 2477 lists three types of um, sins which can fall under lying. The first is rash judgment. Rash judgment is assuming something is true without sufficient foundation, the moral fault of a neighbor. So we listen to something somebody says, or we look at something, or we hear something about somebody, and we assume that they have a moral fault because we don't have all the facts. Guess what? That's rash judgment. It's a sin. It's a sin. Moving on, detraction. Detraction is defined as somebody when, the, when somebody without objectively, without an objectively valid reason, discloses another's faults and failings to a person who did not know them. So if you know something that is, which is true about somebody and you tell somebody who has no business knowing it, that's detraction. That's a sin. A lot of people say, well, Father, I'm not gossiping because what I'm saying is true. Well, guess what? The Catechism says different. The Catechism says it is a sin. It is a problem. You know, in your medical, in the medical community, and some of you here work in the medical community, so you know this, that your medical information is protected by law. You know, your doctor, your nurse, your, your lab worker in the hospital, the clinic, whoever, they can't go out and tell people your diagnosis. That's against the law. It protects you. They know, your, trust me, your doctor and nurse know a lot of true information about you. But it doesn't give them a right to go and tell everybody about it. And they can't do it. And the same thing applies in everything else we talk about. Just because we know something which is true about a person does not give us a right to go and tell somebody else about it. It's detraction. And I'll tell you what, it happens a lot here. A lot. The next one is calumny. This is a remark, making a remark which is contrary to the truth, which harms the reputation of others and gives occasion for false judgments concerning them. This is when we, when we say something which may not be true about somebody and it leads to that person's reputation being harmed. It's different than detraction because detraction involves truth. Calumny involves something which is not true. So we're spreading rumors, we're, we're gossiping about something that somebody supposedly did or said, which is not true. That is a sin. Magisterial teachings tell us so. It's the Eighth Commandment. And I tell you what, rarely a day goes by here that somebody doesn't tell me that I supposedly said or did something. And in many cases, it's just the opposite of what I've said or done. And I know it's happening to other people. There's a lot of gossip in this community. It's one thing which has really shocked me, to be honest. It's one thing which has really shocked me. There's a lot of gossip in this community. And so for Lent, as a community, as a parish, we're giving up gossip. 
We're giving it up. No gossip during Lent or after Lent. And if we, and the Catechism goes on to say, <clears throat> excuse me, if, if we have harmed somebody's reputation through gossip, not only do we have to have that sin forgiven, but we actually have to make reparation. And most people don't know that. If you go to a good priest, a good confessor for, for the sacrament of reconciliation, and you confess the sin of gossip or, or theft, if he's a good confessor, not only will he give you a penance, but he'll also help you to make reparation for any harm you've done. And so if I've harmed somebody's reputation, I have to somehow repair that. And the priest, once again, if he's a good priest, a good confessor, he's going to be able to help you to do that without revealing your sin to anybody else. And there's ways of doing that. But whenever, especially when we, when we spread a truth which somebody doesn't need to know or if we're spreading lies about somebody, this is very serious. Gossip, in my, and this part is my opinion, gossip, in my opinion, is the most committed mortal sin in our nation. It happens all the time. Many people don't even care that they're doing it. They say, well, everybody else is doing it. I'm saying it, it's true or, or whatever. It's a sin. And it's destructive. And it's divisive. We should not allow that to be happening here. So if you're in a situation which somebody's telling you something, and it's getting up to that line of gossip, you, you change the course of that conversation, okay? You change the course of conversation. If you're not successful in being able to change the course of that conversation, then you walk away. You don't want any part of this. You don't want any part in bringing down somebody's reputation. It's a mortal sin. And that's a bad sin. Just walk away. One of my brilliant and holy Dominican priests in uh, seminary, Father Bruce Williams, he, he taught me something which I hope I never forget, and it, it, it surrounds this. Um, he, he says if, to help us to, to make sure we don't fall into these traps, there's three simple questions to ask. And there's questions which I, I often say in my mind before I say anything. And he usually keeps my mouth shut for the 90% of the time. So you'll see why. Before I say anything to or about somebody, I should ask myself these three questions. The first question is this. Is what I'm about to say to this person or about this person, is it true? Is it true? If it's not, I keep my mouth shut. And if I didn't actually hear that person say it, or actually watch that person do it, it may not be true. So I should keep my mouth shut. But if it is true, we move on to the second question. The second question is this. Is what I'm about to say to or about this person, is it necessary to be said? Because let's face it, there's a lot of true stuff out there that doesn't need to be said. All of us here know a lot of secrets about a lot of people. And we shouldn't be telling these secrets to other people. Just because it's true doesn't mean that it has to be said. But sometimes things have to be said, right? If we, 
If, if somebody is, is having a destructive lifestyle or behavior, somebody needs to intervene and say something to somebody, right? So if we get past the first two questions, is what I'm about to say true, and is it necessary to be said, here's the third question. Am I saying this out of genuine love for this person? Am I saying this because I sincerely love this person, I'm sincerely concerned for their soul, or am I saying it to step all over them so that I look better? Am I saying it out of genuine charity? So if I can't answer yes to all those three questions, I keep my mouth shut. If it is true and necessary to be said, then I wait for an opportunity in which I can actually say it out of charity and instead of hatred for this person. So is it true? Does it have to be said? And am I, am I going to say it out of genuine charity? So those, those are going to sincerely help us. And I, I've, I've been preaching about this for three or four assignments. And the last three assignments, I would go to people's homes. More often than not, they have kids. And sometimes I would see this, these three questions on the refrigerator. I was actually at a home once in Italy, and uh, I was talking to the parents in the kitchen, and one of the kids came up to tattle on one of the, their siblings, and the mother said, ah, don't say anything, and she pointed right to the questions. And the kid went away quiet. And it works for us, too. So I think it's important to remember those three questions. It's also important to remember that God creates speech. He creates word, words with great power. And it's something which is very sacred, very holy, and we should always use it for holy purposes. That's going to help us as well. Finally, I'll tell you, in this world which we live in, we need somebody else's help, more often than not, to get over sin. When I was about 17, I was cutting a piece of plywood with a circular saw, and I didn't have good enough uh, protective glasses, and a piece of plywood came into my eye. So for the next two or three hours, my mom was just trying to flush that, that piece of plywood out of my eye with, with a saline solution. And after three hours, it, it was, we decided this is not working. And so I had to go to the emergency room to get that, that splinter out of my eye. I couldn't see it, but I, should, I could sure feel it. And it would have caused me to lose my, my vision if, if I hadn't done something about it. But I needed help and removing that splinter from my eye. And so I think as we prepare to enter into Lent later this coming week, it's an opportunity for us to pray to God and ask for the wisdom and the grace and the understanding and the courage to recognize what we're saying, how we're using words, and ask ourselves the important questions. Am I using these words for holy purposes? Am I using this gift of speech for something which is good, which is bringing glory to God's kingdom? Or am I causing sin? Am I causing destruction not only to me, but to others? Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.